chapter 2, and I'm going to read a very lengthy reading tonight, so bear with me through the reading of the Word. Hopefully, it will have no indication on the length of my sermon. Joshua chapter 2, to all of our guests that are here tonight, God bless you. Thank you for being here. Joshua chapter 2, verse number 1, And Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shidom two men to spy secretly, saying, Go and view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into an harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they be come to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them and said thus, There came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. And it came to pass about the time of the shutting of the gate when it was dark that the men went out. Whether the men went, I would not pursue after them quickly. For ye shall overtake them. But she had actually brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with the stalks of flax which she had laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the way to Jordan and to the fords. And as soon as they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate, and before they were laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof, and she said unto them, unto the men, I know the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. As soon as we heard these things, our heart did melt, neither did we remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is a God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Now therefore I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that you will also show kindness unto my Father's house and give me a true token. And that ye shall save me alive, my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. And the men answered her, Our life for yours. If ye utter not this our business, and it shall be when the Lord hath given us the land, that we will deal kindly and truly. With thee. Then she let them down by a cord through the window, for her house was upon the town wall, and she dwelt 
upon the wall. By the help of the Lord tonight, I, I want to preach a little faith into your spirit tonight. I'm going to preach the subject, it's not too late for Rahab. It's not too late for Rahab. Would you pray with me again? I know we've already prayed and we've worshiped, but I need the help of the Lord tonight. God, help us right now by your spirit and power. Lord, let your spirit and power move right now. Lord, let me find the target that you are sending the word to tonight that I may speak your word boldly. Allow, God, your spirit to be made manifest through the preaching of the word of God and that some heart tonight may receive your word right now. Lord, don't allow human spirit or evil spirit to stand in the way. But God, let your spirit and power be released in this room through the preaching of the word of God. Let our mind be at ease, O oh Lord, and our spirit be at ease as we speak your word of faith in Jesus' name. Let everybody say amen. God bless you. You can be seated tonight. Wow, what a good crowd we have here. Didn't that choir do a great job tonight? Let's give them a great big hand. Thank you. And indeed, thank you, Sister Cheryl, for all of your labor, and happy birthday to you. I thought about doing something nice for you and giving you a day off from work, and it's the thought that counts, isn't it? <laughs> Rahab was a harlot. Many would have thought Rahab to be a hopeless individual. I'm guessing that probably many of us today with our judgmental, pious, religious attitudes would have probably written her off to be a hopeless individual, one that could never be saved or would never be saved. Perhaps some would think it was too late for her that she had gone too far. She was far too gone for any help, any hope, and any deliverance. We're told about her house in Scripture in verse 15. It said her house was upon the city wall. It was situated in such a spot that it was a known residence. It was a place that everybody in the city knew when they walked by. The mothers would cover the eyes of their children the teenagers would snicker and mock as they would walk by. The little boys would walk by and whisper into their buddies' ears. It was a great location for business, particularly a business of her kind. She was on the wall. She, she was often visited by strangers. For men of the city only would visit by night when no one would notice that they were there, but strangers could come in the broad open daylight, but one day... Things seemed to change, for she was visited by two specific strangers. They appeared to be there on a mission, but not the mission that was normal for their, for their day, for their time, particularly a visit to a harlot's house, for they were spies. They were spies that were sent there by Joshua, the leader of Israel, and they were there for a purpose to scope out the land to find out what's going on in the city, but they needed a place to stay. And surely, if they went to the local inn, that they would be noticed, it would be recognizable, for they were Jews and they would stand out among 
the people of Jericho. It would be recognizable, so they had to go to a place where perhaps no one would ever guess or think to look for a good Jewish man to be, particularly those that are of the children of Israel. What would one do? be doing at such a place for they were known to be the people of God. There's no way that they would hang out at a harlot's house, but these two men were on a mission. It was a secret mission sent there by the Lord, sent through their leader. They were sent to spy out the land of Jericho. The spies wanted to look as inconspicuous as possible and be as safe as possible in their pursuit of their informative mission to be able to look and send back the counsel to the leaders and tell them what the city looked like, tell them what the attack would look like. So they found their place to lodge. It was a place where other strangers would go, but they were there for a mission, the local house, the house on the wall, the house of the harlot by the name of Rahab. However, somebody saw them as they went into Rahab's house. They were noticed. They were busted. They were caught. Someone noticed and quickly got to one of the king's men and word gets through to the king that two Jewish men had gone into the house of Rahab, the harlot's house, and the people, they were certainly not to be taken as fools for they knew that no Jewish men would go into the house of the harlot. They, they knew there was something up. Rahab hides them on her roof and she says to the king's men when they come to inquire, you, you just missed them. For they have left just, just moments before you got here. See, they were just on a mission. The trick has been turned. And now they've gone their way. And, and, and if you would go after them, I, I know certainly you could catch them. Uh, they, they left about five minutes ago, and, and they left in a hurry. But if you would rush on out of here now, you would catch them on the edge of the city. So she sends them away. They were trying to seek out those men. And then she runs immediately to the rooftop where she has hidden the two spies from Israel. And when she gets there, she begins to make a deal with them. She says, now the reason that I have hidden you on my roof is because I know that the Lord has sent you here. I know that the Lord your God is the God of heaven and of earth. And she goes on to say that I know that God has already given you this land and that you are here to possess it. I've already heard the stories of what has happened when people tried to stand against the people of God. There was absolute desolation. I know you are here on a mission. We all fear for our life for the people are fainting in the streets when they think that Israel may be coming our direction. I know why you're here. Now therefore, please swear to me by the Lord, since I've dealt kindly with you and did not report your whereabouts to the king, that you also would deal kindly with me. I know it wasn't an honest deal. I know it was a behind-the-scenes deal. But what would you expect from a harlot? What would the king expect when he sent men to the harlot's house? As the batting eyes and the... And the, 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 the the formidable dress that she may have been wearing would have caught their attention and sidetracked them and they would have melted and believed anything that she said for she was skilled in her trade. And for she sends them now out to look 
for men that did not exist. So they're on their way looking, searching. I sent them out, but I'm asking you to deal kindly with me. I'm asking if you would, sirs, please deal kindly with me and of my father's household. Give me a pledge, would you please? Would you spare my house? Would you spare my father's house? Would you spare my mother, my brothers, my sisters? Would you, would you let everything that belongs to them remain? Deliver their lives from this death. She said, in other words, we... We know that everything we have is about to be destroyed. I know my family's going to be killed. I know we're, we're people of Jericho. We know what's about to happen. But I saved your life. Would you now save mine? I found it interesting that Rahab used the word kindly in our text. If you read it, you'll see she says now, now would you that I have dealt kindly with you, would you? Deal kindly with me. In Hebrew, the word kindly means loyal love. The harlot looks at these two men and said, Would you deal kindly with me? Would you not take advantage of this moment with me? For this moment normally means that the word love may be spoken, but it's no loyal love. For I am a harlot, you see, my name is Rahab, the harlot. People know who I am. I know who they are. I know why they're here. But would you, would you please give some loyal love to me? It referred to God's covenant covering to them. Rahab sensed that these two men had that covering over them. It was a certain mission that they were on. Perhaps she sensed an anointing that were upon the people of God sent by Jehovah God himself. She knew that they had been sent by God. She says, I know you're on a mission that is sent by God. So she says to them, I've heard the word love used. It's been used over and over again. I've been searching for it. But I know better than the love that men come here to find. I've heard the word love used over and over again. But I'm using a different word and a different phrase today because I'm looking for something that is loyal. I'm looking for a loyal love, not a sensual love, not a sexual love, not a pleasurable love. But I'm looking for a loyal love. And I sense that there's something from Jehovah God resting upon you. And I know how that you desolated all the people, but I also know that among you there is a loyal love. Could my family, I've saved you alive. I didn't turn the king on to you. Would you now, would you show loyal love to me? Would you save my house? Would you save the house of my family? For see, I've been searching for a covering over me and for over my family for years. It's only gotten me by a dollar a day, a dollar at a time. I've stepped out by faith now and I spared your life before a deal was ever struck. Now, would you spare my life? And the men replied, our lives for yours. Your life for ours. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 10 says that God is not unrighteous to forget your work and your labor of love. 
which you have showed toward his name. In other words, God remembers every deed that you have done for him and his people. I want to come tonight and declare to you that the, the story of Rahab is a, perf, a perfect picture and a perfect example of the salvation of mankind. For he who had no deal struck with humanity struck a deal. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. While you had never made a deal with him, while you had never given your life to him, while you had never ever considered turning toward him, while we're yet sinners, he died for you and I. He loved us with an unconditional love, a love so great that it, that it defies the vocabulary of, of most any of us for it is a word called grace. It is a word that is unmerited favor that he turned to you and I when we should have been slain, when we should have been killed. And he said, I will give my life for you. I'm not sure exactly how to decipher the story, but I know this much tonight that there is a perfect example of Christ in this beautiful picture because he could have killed us. You didn't have to make it here tonight. There's so many different things that could have happened, but here you are in the house of the Lord tonight because he showed you, he dealt with you kindly when he could have dealt with you through judgment. <laughs> That heart attack, Brother Tom, should have taken your life last week for, for five of the six uh, bypasses. that He went through a, a six bypass surgery. Five of the six connections didn't work. One completely collapsed. All they could do was go in and fix one and wait for his heart to get healthy. Most men in that situation would have met a different end. But we have a God that used the word kindly. And he said, while I know, I know he's not perfect, but I'll deal with him kindly. I'll deal with him gently while the automobile accident should have taken you out while your marriage breakup should have cost you your mind while the sickness in your body should have killed you you're here tonight because God dealt with you kindly I don't deserve to be standing in this pulpit tonight, but I have a God that used the word kindly, and he said, I will, I will withhold the judgment that you deserve, and I will deal with you kindly. He remembers what you've done. You don't get good enough to get grace. You don't get good enough to get mercy. But I will tell you that everything that you do, God will remember. Joshua chapter 6 verse 17 says the city shall be under the man and it and all that belong to the Lord only Rahab the harlot and all that is in her house shall live because she hid the messengers we sent. I told somebody this week they, they relayed a little story to me and told me something good that they had done. And I complimented them and I said, let me tell you something. You never go wrong by doing what is right. 
They shared a little story with me about somebody that had shown deep disrespect toward them, spoken some hateful things to them, and yet they went on continuing to do good. And they said, that's not like me. And I laughed on the phone on the other end. And I said, however, it is just like the Lord. And you never go wrong by doing what is right. And you never go wrong because while they may not appreciate it and their family members may never come back to thank you for it, there is a God in heaven that marks it down. And he says, I won't forget it because on the day that you need mercy the most I will show mercy to you and on the day that you need help the most I will be a help to you and on the day that you need you need a word the the, the most I will speak a word to you I will deal with you kindly verse 25 says however Rahab the harlot and her father's household and all she had Joshua spared And she had lived in the midst of Israel until this day. And she had hid the messengers whom Joshua had sent out to spy on Jericho. Let me tell you tonight the beauty of association with God's kingdom and God's kingdom purposes is that when the world collapses around you, take note that God still cares about His people. I want to speak a word of faith over this congregation because I have been hearing everywhere I turn, all I hear is somebody saying something about the election. I can't walk into a business without somebody trying to find out what my opinion is of what's going on. I walked into the bank and we heard opinions. They asked opinions. They started talking about it. Everywhere you go, people's talking about the election. Let me give you a real good word of advice, ladies and gentlemen. We are the people of God. His kingdom is not of this world. Therefore, if we're children of God, heirs and joint heirs, I am not an heir to anything in this world that I know of, but I am heir of an eternal kingdom that is on the other side there's not much I can do other than cast a vote and pray but I'll tell you this much the kingdom of God is not meat and drink and the kingdom of God is not of this world get your mind on him and know that all this is pointing in one direction God has not forgotten his church God has not forgotten his people go ahead and get ready for I believe Gabriel has the trumpet at his lips and is about ready to blow I would rather be in the church in these last days than anywhere else. I know the church is not a perfect place and the church is not always even a safe place. There's people that get hurt in the church. There's people that get injured around the church. But my association with the people of God is all I have to cling to. Because if you can't trust the people of God, you sure can't trust the people of Egypt. If you can't, I would rather suffer with a people of God rather than enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season. I come tonight to try to help somebody understand the benefit of your association with the people of God and your association in the church. Brother Duggar said it to me a long, long time ago. Everything you need, God is able to supply through the four walls of the church. You don't need the world. Don't look to the world for your answer. You'll find it in the center of God's will in the church. Let me give you a few good reasons to stay in the church. The church is in the center of God's will. 
What does it take to get the rest of you to shout an amen? <laughs> the church is always in the center of God's will. I didn't say this church. I said the church, the bride, is always in the center of his will. There's a good reason to stay in the church. Because the church is always in the center of his will. He said, Behold, Zion has said, The Lord hath forgotten me, and my God hath forsaken me. He said, But you go back and tell Zion, Behold, I have graven thee in the palms of my hands, and their walls are ever before me. In other words, when the church starts thinking nobody knows where they are, look at the nail-scarred hands and know that was his promise ring to the church, saying, I'm coming back. I'll call them home to glory. I'm coming back for a church. And we're not collapsing with the culture around us. Most of you know the story. Called prayer meeting Thursday night, a week ago. Came down at 10 o'clock. 15 or 20 people here. We had prayer meeting at 10 o'clock. We had powerful prayer meeting. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost moved in. We prayed. Somebody said to me, I haven't been at a prayer meeting that went over two hours that I wasn't looking around at a clock. I had to tell everybody, it's after midnight. You got to go home. The problem was, is that when my wife and I walked outside, somebody had taken our car. But it opened an interesting conversation with a police officer. As she was driving us home, my wife actually is the first time ever that she got to ride in the back seat <laughs> of a police cruiser. On the way home, the police officer said, the issue is, is that juvenile crime in this city has spun so out of control. It is so out of hand that we can't even keep up, much less take preventative cautionary, precautionary measures to try to stop it. She made another statement. She said, this is not the city that you grew up in. She said, in case you're not aware, the juvenile crime rate is escalating so quickly that we actually have concerns about how to handle it or what to do. This evening, on our way to church, many of you perhaps saw the police cars a block up the street. As we got news that an armed robber had gone in, Rob jumped into the passenger seat and left north on 75. Right here in little old Frankfurt. The world is collapsing around us. Law enforcement officers don't have a clue how to handle it. Politicians don't know how to handle it. Science is allowing them to be able to discover more diseases than they can ever find enough medicine to be able to heal. 
The problems are spinning out of control. The world appears to be sinking. Somebody said to me the other day, I don't know that I want to have children in this day and age that we live in because I'm afraid. I think my parents said the same thing. But I came with a word for somebody that's walking around living in fear. We are not collapsing. Jericho may be about to come down, but there's a thread hanging out a window because a deal got struck on Calvary. The church is going to stand when Jericho falls. Because somebody struck a deal on Calvary when it wasn't necessary, when you hadn't done anything for it, he dealt with us kindly. Somebody give the Lord a shout of praise in the house. Turn to three or four people around you and tell them we're not collapsing. This is why God can take care of us in the middle of this wicked world. That's why I've got faith that God's going to take care of our households and our family when the rest of the world is falling apart. Because there's favor upon the people of God. The world knows there's favor on the people of God. Your ship may seem to be in the middle of a stormy sea, but I come to send a word of faith to somebody tonight that God can still speak peace to your storm because he always deals kindly with his people. We're not following the crowd. We're following the kingdom of God, and we're walking in God's will and God's purpose. I wrap this thing up here, but Rahab's story doesn't end with the Old Testament scriptures. Mm. But Rahab's story carries over into the New Testament. Rahab's name is repeated often in the New Testament scriptures. So evidently there is something that God wants us to learn about Rahab. Because all through the scripture. The Old Testament refers to Rahab the harlot. Rahab the harlot. Rahab the harlot. In the New Testament, her name is mentioned nine times. And every time it is mentioned nine times, the title is not dropped. It is Rahab the harlot. Rahab the harlot. She's always referred to as Rahab. God doesn't refer to Moses as Moses the murderer. When he mentions him in Hebrews chapter 11, he doesn't say anything about Moses the murderer. He didn't refer to Abraham as Abraham the liar. God doesn't do that in Hebrews chapter 11. Instead, he calls him the father of the faithful. However, when it comes to Rahab, He says, Rahab the harlot. It's like God doesn't want us to forget 
the woman's past. That's not like God. Normally, at the point of conversion, there is a name change. Saul becomes Paul. Normally, there's a name change. Normally, the title would have been dropped and it would have been Rahab, the woman, the, the godly deal maker. However, when it comes to Rahab, it's Rahab the harlot. My question is why? I don't know that I have the answer, but I have an idea that I may want to preach to you about for a moment. Why does God want us to remember that this woman of ill repute that seemingly turned her life around continues to be referred to is Rahab the harlot. I, I think it may be because God wants us to know through Rahab that our past doesn't have to control our future. And although people still know us as the liar or the murderer, or the harlot doesn't mean we have to live it out. Because while some people are blessed enough to get a new identity and a name changed, Rahab had to prove herself. Most of us would have given up hope of ever turning things around. When every time somebody spoke to us, it was Rahab the harlot. We would quickly jump on social media and find a few memes to throw out at everybody and say, I may not be what I'm supposed to be, but bless God, I'm not what I used to be. My name may be Rahab, at least it's not Ahab. I believe that the scripture is trying to point us to understanding that God can turn shame into glory in one moment of redemption. And even if there's not a defining time when God changes your name or changes your image or changes your address, he said, I'm going to leave you in the same address running with the same family, and I'm going to destroy everybody around you. But I still have a plan. You're going to outlive your title. You're going to outlive the expectation of the people. I don't know if you got what I just said, but I'm speaking a word to somebody in the house today that you're going to outlive the reputation that people are putting on you and the labels that people are putting on you and the things that people are saying about you. You can outlive it. You can overcome it. Her name's still placed in Hebrews chapter 11, but it goes down as Rahab the harlot. 
Because God is saying no matter what happened in your life in the past, there's going to be a few people that don't have the defining moment of change. Not everybody has the testimony of God coming to where they are. Knocking them down on a road. Changing their name. Sending a shining light. Some people just come forward, repent of their sins, are baptized in Jesus' name, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, and go on living. And some haters out there are always going to be saying, Hey, you harlot. Hey, you liar. Hey, you thief. Hey, you murderer. And God said, I'm going to ask you just to keep being faithful. Because the only thing that's going to define is when everything falls around you, your house is going to still be standing. When everything goes down around you, I'm not going to forget your faithfulness. You keep bearing the name. You grin and bear it, baby. Because I'm going to save you. And I'm going to save your family. And I'm going to set you up for something in your future that is greater than your past. Shout, it wasn't too late for Rahab. Let me finish here. She didn't come from a religious background. She didn't have a godly husband. She had a shameful past. But she made one decision that changed her future. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, <laughs> any man, you mean even one that didn't get, didn't get struck down on his on the road to Damascus, even one that didn't see a shining light, even me who didn't get a name change, even me that still walks with a limp, even me that still deals with the, with the sins of my past, even me that still carries around a reputation. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a... All things have, and behold, all things. God saved Rahab. God saved Rahab's family. God saved everybody that was in her house. The woman found in Joshua chapter 2 is the same woman found in Hebrews chapter 11. And she is also the same woman mentioned in Matthew chapter 1. I close with this. She ran into a man by the name of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. After she turned her life around, God sent her a man by the name of Salmon, who was the father of Boaz by Rahab. Then Boaz was the father of Obed by Ruth. And Obed was the father of Jesse. Verse 6 says, Then Jesse was the father 
of David. And Jesus was of the lineage of David. You better get me some shout music on that organ over here because I'm about to have myself an apostolic fit. You can call me anything you want to call me, but call me changed. It's not too late for Ahab and it's not too late for you because your future may be of a lineage that is going to change the world. There may be a Boaz in your spirit. There may be an Obed in your spirit. There may be a Jesse in your spirit. There may be a David in your spirit. Why in heaven's name did Hebrews chapter 11 not say and Rahab the father the the great 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 grandmother of David because there's a word that I received to speak into this church tonight your past reputation may never be forgotten but neither will your future Because what God has for your future is greater than the failure of your past. I wish somebody would let a little praise out in the house tonight. Because it's not too late for you. You think it's over. You think you didn't have your shining moment. But God has sent a messenger to this pulpit tonight to preach to this congregation. There is something great in your future. There is something great in your future. Why don't you turn around and high-five two or three people around you. Shake their hand if you don't believe in high-fiving. And tell them, I'm excited about your future. Come on, tell them, I'm excited about your future. Come on, step across the aisle and tell somebody, I'm excited about your future. 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 The devil don't like what I'm preaching to you tonight. But if somebody would let a little praise out tonight, I believe you would walk out of this house in victory that you haven't been walking in in a long time. Could it be that you've been allowing your past to dictate your present? And if you keep letting your past dictate your present, it will affect your future. But when you let the past be behind you and you step into your future with faith, there is no telling what your future is going to look like. Somebody let a little praise out in the house right now.
about it. I'm glad about it. I'm glad about it. I'm glad about it. Come on, say what a change. What a change. What a change. Oh, what a change. What a change. What a change. What a change. Now here's what's about to happen. What's about to happen is we're about to flow into the typical...